coming up on Philosophy Talk. George Walker Bush. Great president or the greatest president? <laughs> what are leaders made of? Some leaders lead by moral force, like Gandhi. Others by brute force, like Hitler. Others by rational argument, like, uh, like uh, I'll think of someone soon. We often talk about the leadership paradox. Our guest is Deborah Rohde from the Stanford Law School. Oftentimes, what enables people to get to leadership positions is a real hunger for achievement, for power, for status, for recognition. But what makes people successful once they get to those positions is a focus on achievement by others. Is there anything all great leaders have in common? It's vision, it's values, it's personal skills like self-awareness, self-control. What are leaders made of? Coming up on Philosophy Talk. This is Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the Mars Theater, the Bay Area's breeding ground for new performance. But our thinking started over across the Bay at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. That's where Ken and I both teach philosophy. Welcome, everyone, to Philosophy Talk. Today we're asking the question, what are leaders made of? Well, Ken, it seems to me that's going to depend on what you're leading, what you're the leader of. What do Girl Scout leaders, Army generals, 49er quarterbacks, corporate honchos, philosophy department heads, what do they all have in common? Probably nothing. Well, I don't know. I think they do have something in common. Because look, whether you're a, a Girl Scout leader, you lead Girl Scout troops, or army troops, you still have to be able to communicate and motivate, for example. Well, I suppose by definition there has to be someone you're leading, whether they're preteen Girl Scouts or a troop of soldiers. But that's not much. Uh, getting a group of preteen girls to go out and work hard selling cookies or to work on their merit badges and getting a troop of soldiers to fight hard in the face of danger, those are just completely different. You could be completely good at one and lousy at the other one. I, I take your point, but why can't both things be true? Let's have it both ways. There are some skills and capacities that effective leaders tend to share, like the ability to communicate or motivate, as I said, but you know what it takes to exercise those skills effectively, as you say, that depends a lot on context. So you're suggesting that we distinguish between what we may call general purpose leadership skills and context specific leadership skills. Maybe all leaders need certain general purpose skills, no matter who they're leading and where they're leading them to. But the context specific skills that make you a good leader in one situation may not transfer to other situations. You know, that, that sounds plausible, but you know what? Now that you, you make that distinction explicit for me, you know, I, I'm, I think I'm having some doubts. Because, you know, is there really anything substantive to say about what it takes to be a good or effective leader in general? I mean, isn't it all about context? Well, it's, I suppose it's conceivable that there is. We, we could have a name for it. Take someone who's good at leading Girl Scout troops, but not so good at leading Army troops. You might say that's a 
person is a good Girl Scout leader, but you wouldn't say they were a good leader full stop, would you? No, uh, you're right. I, I wouldn't, but well, I'm not quite sure where you're going with this. Well, it just maybe it's part of our ordinary concept of a good leader, a good leader full stop, that you must have leadership skills that are portable. They don't just depend on the specific situation, not just on something specific about the nature of the people you're leading or where you're leading them to. A real leader is the kind of a person that, given any leadership task, has a good chance of rising to the occasion. Wow, you know, that sounds like a really high standard. And, and then I started thinking about what, what would make such a person like that? And they could lead anybody anywhere, given any situation. And then, you really think there are such people? I mean, can you give me an example of such a people? Of well, such may, a maybe there aren't. Maybe it's a name that for, for an ideal no one lives up to. But isn't that what you'd be looking for when you ask the question we're supposed to be asking? What are leaders made of? It's one thing to ask what it takes to be a good leader in this or that context of a football team, a basketball team, a, a radio program, a philosophy department. It's another thing to ask what makes a good leader a good leader in any context. Well, I, I take your point. You know, I, I think we uh, also need a, another distinction, John. I mean, look, we need to distinguish between effective leaders and wise or moral leaders. I mean, history is full, I mean, just replete with examples of highly effective leaders who were neither wise nor moral. So what are we trying to figure out? Are we trying to figure out what effective leaders are made of or what wise and moral leaders are made of? Well, I don't know if I like that distinction. I mean, you, if you've got somebody who's good at getting a bunch of people together and leading them off a cliff, is that a good leader? Uh, I think the, the qualities that make for wise and moral leadership are part of our concept of a good leader. The last thing we need is more foolish and immoral leaders. Well, but, but a leader who leads their followers even into ruin or folly or immorality, well, that person's still a leader. I mean, you say, they led them to ruin. I mean, look, I completely reject the directions in which Mao or Stalin or Hitler, to take three of history's bad guys, led their nations, completely reject them. But I can't deny that they were highly effective, highly consequential leaders, can I? Well, you chose your words carefully. You didn't call any of them great leaders. Great leaders don't lead their followers into ruin, folly, or moral darkness. Great leaders have to be, in my humble opinion, both wise and moral. You know, I mean, I, I agree. I think I agree that calling somebody a great leader is different from just calling them effective. I agree about that. Calling someone a great leader is a way of endorsing or approving of their, of their leadership. So, in my opinion, Hitler was not a great leader at all. I don't endorse him, you'll be glad to hear. He may have been temporarily effective, but he was ultimately fool, a foolhardy leader who led his followers into both immorality and disgrace and defeat. Well, you know, I take your point, but you know that still small voice in me is saying, no, not so fast, not so fast. Look, one man's moral darkness and folly is another man's most cherished goal. So really, do we really want to build a particular moral point of view, say ours and not the Nazis, into the very idea of leadership? Well, as long as it's my point of view, I'm all, all for it. But that's a difficult question. It's one we're going to have to engage with if we're really going to try to answer our question, what are good leaders made of? And to help us get started on our search for answers, we sent Caitlin Ash, a roving philosophical reporter, to talk to a group of high school students. She asked them about the leaders in their lives. She files this report. East Oakland, California is a tough place to grow up, an area with high rates of unemployment and violence. At Media Academy, more than a third of the students drop out before graduation. I asked a group of student leaders at the high school, who are the leaders in their lives? Mm, the main leader in my life is, would be probably my sister. 
Cause um, well, the reason why I know everything right now is because of her. The reason why I'm still in school right now is because of her. Tony Smukda is an 18-year-old senior. He works part-time at two family businesses, one in construction, the other in music production. He's doing really well now, but it wasn't always like this. He says he used to get bad grades. Yeah, Fs all day, every day. Tony says his sister Emily also got bad grades. She used to skip school and she was on track to drop out. But she turned her life around and now she's a full-time student at Chico State University. Her change made him want to change. Seeing her succeed, seeing her take charge of every situation that she's in, um, that really pushed me to be, in, to be in high school more and to be a senior and to get good grades, the grades I'm getting now. So my sister is my biggest motivation and also the biggest leader in my life. In freshman 10th grade year, Tony, he will come and then you won't see him for a while. Tony's friend, Isaida Torres. Tony now, he's more on top of himself. He makes sure he gets all his work done. Like, I don't even believe in him having missing assignments anymore. Isaida says the leaders in her life are people like Tony and her sister who got straight A's, played sports, and was captain of the soccer team. Isaida says she never thought of herself as a leader. I do struggle. I guess I see, I would see myself first as a follower and then Last year at our last soccer game, um, our two captains, my sister and our friend Michelle, they announced the two new captains for the following year, and it was me. Overnight, Isaida went from being a follower to a leader. It's given me a lot more responsibilities, and I'm not sure if I'm like the best leader, but I know I am trying. And the girls now, they do like, they have respect for me and I help them with anything that they need. And there's times where I break down or mess up, but then they show me and they help me and they encourage me to just get back up. A leader, hmm, knows how to handle themselves, sets a goal for everybody, and makes a good example for everybody else, you know what I mean? 18-year-old senior Matthew Pork says before he met the greatest leader of his life, he was headed nowhere. I was obnoxious stupid, like an idiot all around. Like really, I was worse than I am right now. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, I was not, I'm not acting good in school, just making Fs and like almost had to repeat another year of middle school. Matthew was living in Southern California with his mother before she died, before he had to move in with family in Oakland. That's where he joined an ROTC class and met Mr. Davidson, his first drill instructor. Matthew says without Mr. Davidson, he's not sure how he would have turned out. I would have been on the corner right there, uh, dealing drugs, possibly in a ditch right now, dying. My friends, all my friends were gang affiliated and I went to the worst school in Long Beach. I could have, I could have went that road, which I did not know in seventh grade, but now I know. Because I really appreciate what he did for me, what all my other leaders did for me. You know, just keeping me motivated all my life. Matthew plans to graduate this year and join the Marines. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Caitlin Esch. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.